When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The FT Welcome to this edition of World Weekly. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today, we look at Turkey's role in the unfolding war against the jihadist movement, the Islamic State, in Iraq and Syria. Does Turkey share Western war aims, or is the government of President Erdogan more interested in crushing the Kurdish movements that are fighting IS? To help untangle this knotty situation, I'm joined on the line from Turkey by our correspondent there, Dan Dombey. And also on the line is our Middle East commentator, David Gardner. Dan, first... What exactly is Turkish policy when it comes to this fight against Islamic State? I think maybe you should make two points, which is that Turkey doesn't think that you should just have a policy for the Islamic State. It thinks that the U.S. approach of just looking at an air campaign that attacks the ISIS is inadequate, insufficient, and only part of a real picture. It thinks that instead you have to focus as well on the uh, regime of President Bashar al-Assad, and it says that this is a fundamental flaw, that without taking on Assad, you're not addressing the root cause of extremism like ISIS. What that means in reality is that Turkey is really denying the U.S.-led coalition greater use of its facilities, particularly an air base in Injilic, only about 100 miles away from the Syrian border, until the U.S. signs up to more action which would take on Assad, whether by establishing a no-fly zone, a safe zone, or declaring Assad a target of their effort. The other concern about Turkey, however, is that Turkey isn't exactly groaning with sympathy for the plights of the Kurds who are being besieged by ISIS in the border town of Kobani. This may be a fight that's taking place in full light of day, just a few hundred meters away from the Turkish border. But it's a fight that includes people who are affiliated to the PKK, the uh, classified terrorist group, which has been fighting with Turkish state for 30 years. So President Erdogan has said on several occasions that he sees ISIS just as he sees the PKK. He doesn't really make a difference to them. As James Baker once said, the former U.S. Secretary of State, he doesn't have a dog in this fight. Now, to many people who are appalled by the prospect of a town being run over by ISIS, this is a position that makes no sense at all. But it is the Turkish position. Have the Turks also been intervening against the Kurds directly? I mean, there have been stories of bombing raids by the Turks against uh, PKK position. Well, you have to distinguish between the theatre in Turkey and the theatre in Syria. There have been tensions in the Turkish peace process, not least because uh, many Kurds, whether in Iraq or Syria or Turkey itself, see the plight of Kobani as something that trumps everything else, something that is far more immediate than any other concerns. And so the peace process that President Erdogan actually aims as his biggest domestic accomplishment is threatened by this, many people say, because... uh, The leader of the PKK and many other PKK figures have said that if you let Kobani be the site of a massacre by ISIS, then the peace process is over. Similarly, actually, uh, one of uh, Erdogan's biggest foreign policy accomplishments, moving closer to the Kurds of northern Iraq, is also threatened by these kinds of tensions. In this context, against this backdrop, with the problems that the peace process had in any case, we had an upsurge in violence and protests last week after President Erdogan said that uh, Kobani was about to fall. Kurds took to the streets. Over 30 people, maybe over 40 people were killed. Some were killed, it seems, by PKK sympathizers. 
and that there was also a mysterious assassination of a police chief in the largely Kurdish southeast. These were events that were followed by small arms fire between the PKK, it seemed, and the Turkish government and the Turkish state. That was followed by the first airstrike against PKK positions for two years, the first such airstrike since the peace process begun. There's a separate history behind this, but there's also an extremely striking contrast. Erdogan, the Turkish state, is bombing the PKK just at the same time as the U.S. is moving closer to the PKK sister organization in Syria, just at the same time as the U.S. is actually allowing Kurdish militants in Syria to call in airstrikes against ISIS, Turkey is carrying out airstrikes against the PKK. That shows you the divergence between Turkey and the U.S. It also shows you what many people say, some of the short-sightedness of the Turkish position, because by not giving greater aid to the Syrian Kurds, perhaps they're pushing the Syrian Kurds closer to the U.S., perhaps also if the U.S. is aiding the Syrian Kurds because they're the boots on the ground, they're the people who are actually taking the fight to ISIS when the Turks are refusing to do so, they're actually ensconcing the people that Turkey doesn't want to see greater control of northern Syria in the position that they have. So, David, obviously a highly complicated situation, but if you're sitting in Ankara or in the government of President Erdogan, could you argue that Turkey is just doing what countries do, defending its national interests? It clearly is worried by Kurdish separatism. It does detest the Assad regime. So for those reasons, it just isn't going to fall in line with Western policy. But maybe that makes sense from their point of view. As Dan suggests, I mean, it is quite difficult to disentangle the Turkish position. And I'm not sure they're making a terribly good fist of defending an objectively defined national interest. I mean, let's be clear. I think Turkey and President Erdogan and his government, they do have a point about the Assads. There is unlikely to be any prospect of re-energizing the mainstream Sunni opposition in Syria and getting it together eventually with the least compromised elements of the Syrian regime, unless the Assad clique, the Assad gang, is got rid of. That seems to me to be absolutely incontrovertible. Were that to happen, were the Assads to be pushed out, in part by their sponsors such as Iran, I think you could actually get a, a rash of ceasefires all across Syria. And then the strategic position vis-a-vis the Islamic State would change as well. Because obviously without ground troops, you actually need the Sunni community both in Syria and in Iraq to fight these people. But having said all that, that is clearly not the business of today when the barbarians are not only at the gates of Kobani, they're inside them. And, you know, on the point of perpetrating a massacre under the turrets of Turkish tanks. Again, Erdogan has a point in saying, and a number of people in the Turkish establishment have said, why do they want us to provide cannon fodder or mercenaries? Nobody else in this coalition is willing to put troops on the ground. Why has it suddenly become so urgent that we do so? They have a reasonable point there, and they have a point when they underscore the incoherence overall of the coalition strategy. But anybody looking at their point of view would, would sometimes doubt its sincerity. I mean, for example, why is it utterly indispensable to have 
a no-fly zone, they say, when from the very moment that U.S. warplanes appeared over Syria, de facto a no-fly zone was created. The Syrian Air Force was told to stay out of the way or else, and it has done so. But even more inflammatory, of course, and as Dan said, putting at risk this enormously potentially important peace initiative with the Kurds that Erdogan can claim so far great credit for is not just not going to the aid of the Kurdish groups fighting to defend Kobani, but preventing others from doing so. For example, there is arms and ammunition sent by the Kurdistan regional government in northern Iraq to Kobani, which is being held up. Clearly, there are so many different entangled interests here. But just to wind up, could I ask both of you to give me a view? I mean, how far is Turkey itself threatened by all this? Because at times they seem almost like literally bystanders with this war going on over the border. And as you say, Turkey not intervening in Kobane. Is Turkey's national security now directly at threat? Dan first? I'd like to make just one point beforehand, which is this, it may not be a sensible policy. You can debate about that. But where Turkey is right now does map a little bit public opinion in this country. When the Kurds rose up in the uh, protests last week, that irritated different parts of Turkish opinion because they uh, killed Islamists, they burned statues of Ataturk. It was not a good way to convince people to take heavy weaponry to the Kurds. Similarly, there is no appetite among Turkish population for an involvement in the Middle Eastern war. However, Turkey has a fundamental choice to make. The fundamental choice is, I'm afraid, whether it regards ISIS or the PKK as a greater threat. If Mr. Erdogan has said one thing in the last couple of weeks, it's that he sees the two organizations as equivalent. Now, Turkey has a very bitter, very difficult history with the PKK. 40,000 people died, perhaps, over 30 years. But the rest of the world simply does not see those two groups as equivalent. And Turkey has another difficult choice to make. If it's involved in the coalition against ISIS, it opens itself up to retaliation from ISIS like no other country. It has a 900-kilometer-long border with Syria, of which ISIS controls perhaps 150 kilometers. But what is the bigger threat? Is the bigger threat to expose yourself to that kind of counter-strike? Or is it just to resign yourself to living with a jihadist pseudo-state as a neighbor? It is a, quite a dilemma, isn't it, David? How would you advise them to resolve it briefly? They're in danger of getting the worst of both worlds, really. The collapse of the possibility of making peace with the Kurds and blowback from Syria and Iraq, in particular because they clamped down on it recently. For more than two years, Turkey was the main pipeline into Syria for jihadis. And they have their networks stretching back into the country, but at the same time, the attitude of Erdogan and his neo-Islamist party is beginning to sound increasingly Sunni supremacist in tone. But the peace process with the Kurds, which was originally conceived to embrace a sort of system of soft borders with the Kurds to the south of Turkey in Iraq and Syria, that really is at risk and that would be a tragedy. Okay, David Gardner, thank you very much indeed. Thanks also to Dan Dombey in Turkey. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.